to experience the ripple effect. This is the Empowering Youth Podcast from Building Utah Youth. A nonprofit organization established in 2007 to provide powerful leadership training to the youth of our communities. Welcome to the Empowering Youth Podcast. Uh, we have a very uh, special guest tonight, Brett Johnston. I'm JJ Chinowski. Jeff Catano here. Preston Gladwell. Yeah, hi, I'm Brett Johnston. And Mesa Whitaker. It's so, so good to have everybody here tonight. Um, this very special episode. It is a very special yeah. ep- episode. We've never had Brett be our guest. Huh, Jeff? No. This is, this yeah, is you guys first. are special. Yes. We're going to learn a lot tonight. And we've got a full audience here. I've known Brett for a long time. Um, and I, w- I just want to start out first, Brett. I'm looking at Brett in his eyes. And um, he's, he's made a huge difference in my life. Not only just a, a mentor to his kids and how to live life. The definition of JFDI, which is just focus, do it. He's just an amazing man. Um, some of the things that, I wrote down, you're an amazing husband to Jamie. I spend enough time with you that I can confidently say that. When's the last time you talked to her? Mm-hmm. Uh, not today. So, <laughs> but, but to your three kids, you know, and, and Brett, Brett raised some amazing children, Hagen, Peyton, and Diesel. He's a force of good. Um, an example to others. So let's, let's get into this. So, um, Maybe to start out, let me just let me just kind of give a high view of um, where Brett is, and you can jump in at any time. But I wanted the listeners to know where Brett is and some just some of his accomplishments. Obviously, his family first; um, that's the biggest accomplishment. But he's co-owner of Frontline Con- Concrete, built it from the the ground up with his brother. Uh, co-owner of Rapport International. And inside of Rapport, he's on the Warrior Circle. He's a master grad. He's a trainer. I'm going to miss a bunch of things here. And, and we're going to dive into this real deep. Can we, can we before we, please, please before we get to the long road up until this point today, let's go way back because there's a lot that's happened from the very beginning with you, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, one, one other thing I just want to add, and we'll start with what uh, Jeff was mentioning. He's also on the board of Building Utah Youth, and we're going to talk about that tonight. So, But let's start at the very beginning, Brett. And I'm curious, and the listeners and everybody here tonight is maybe start when you, at your uh, childhood, you know, five, six years old, what was it like at Brett's house? Well, thank you for that flattering introduction. JJ, um, you talked about all the things that I don't ever talk about. I don't really talk about the what is in my life, but um, <clears throat> yeah, this is this gonna be fun for me. Um, I do like to talk, but you know, thinking back to growing up, I grew up in West Point, Utah, um, and uh, I'm the oldest of three. I have a younger brother that's three years younger than me, and then I have a sister that was the I for to me it was a surprise because I was ten when she was born. And so I was, you know, she was eight years old when I moved out and, uh, my, my life, I remember my life growing up in West Point, very small community of, you know, didn't have a gas station. 
Um, so everybody just ran around the neighborhood and we ate out everybody's fridge in their pantry and that's what we did. And so early on, I remember back to um, elementary and one day in, in school, the, the teacher, I don't remember really the lesson that they were teaching us, but it was like, bring whatever you want to sell. You're going to come to school and you're going to trade and you're going to sell your goods. So I came prepared. My family knows how to make, you know, popcorn balls and, and, you know, caramel corn and stuff like that. I came prepared to do some Willin and Dylan. And, and from that moment, I think it was like third or fourth grade, I was ready to rock and roll on the sales piece. But I remember, you know, because we didn't have a grocery store in the neighborhood or, or even a convenience store, my basement became the hub for dream sickles and popsicles and Shasta <laughs> and candy bars. My mom would take me to the, the Weinigers in sunset and I'd load up the cart with all those things, bring it home, put it in the fridge in the freezer. And I hustled out of my basement for quite a while. But, um, when I was 12 years old, um, let's see, yeah, 12, my dad came home uh, gave me a pair of, uh, uh, elk skin gloves and said, uh, you're going to work this summer. And I remember, uh, a family friend, Dan Kai picked me up in the driveway and I was now his helper for that summer. I remember working the whole entire summer, you know, riding around the truck. I opened all the gates. I fed the cows. I chopped a lot of thistle. I opened a lot of gates, but, um, it was just this first summer at work, rolled a lot of bells of hay. Cause I think most of the bells of hay weighed more than I did at the time. And, uh, Got to the end of that summer, I made just enough money to buy myself a pair of basketball shoes to go back to school. And uh, that that was like a really a defining moment from childhood uh, to, you know, starting to take care of myself a little bit. So when your dad gave you those gloves, there wasn't a choice. You were going to work. There was no arguing with dad. Yeah, it wasn't even like a discussion. It was kind of an excited thing. It was like, yeah. oh, I get to go do this. I'm not going to run around. You're not going to run around all summer and play in the ditch and, you know, <laughs> cause heck in the neighborhood. You're going to work. So love but, your dad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, that, was that welcoming to you at that point? Because like you said, you, you were hustling out of your basement ever since you were yay tall. So I, you were ready for it by I, then, right? Yeah. I think I was excited about it. I was excited to go do something new. Um, I'd known other neighbors that were older that had went to work, you know, for the summer. And I mean, I'm, I'm 12, so I'm not really, I think about that. It's diesel just turned 12 yesterday or Saturday, sorry, oh. 12 Saturday. So I think about that and it just kind of spurs me a little bit. Cause I'm going, yeah, right. But you know, you're capable of whatever you put your mind to. And that's what I started to learn at that moment. But then I, soon after that, I, I got hired at a, a local dairy the next, the next you know, after I finished that summer, I got whole hired at a dairy and it was a CNR dairy in Hooper, Utah. And, uh, it was at the time, Carl and Ruland Fowers. And I went to work for them on the dairy. And so I was milking cows at night and in the morning. So at night would be after school in the evening. And then before school would mean I'd get up at like three, three in the morning and ride my bicycle, you know, all the way to the, the dairy farm and milk cows. And then I'd ride my bicycle home and, and I get home. And sometimes I smelled like well, most of the time I think I smelled like cows when I went to school and that was, you know, from like 13 on. Right. So now I'm, I'm in junior high and I smell like dairy cows all the time. But the crazy thing was, is I always had a pocket full of money. Mm. And I think that, that what I learned was, is I loved hard work and I loved to do things. And what it created for me was a path to, you know, be given a task and not exactly how to do it. It was just like, here's the task, get it done. 
so that's kind of how things really started to roll for me. I mean, I started really working um, as like the lead uh, foreman on the farm when I was in high school. And when I graduated from high school, my big dream was to get a job. I got paid by the hour because I'd been putting in like hundreds of hours by the, you know, a week. And I knew I was getting this much money. So my dream was like, I'm going to get a job where I get paid for every hour I work. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't get- wait. And I think my first job was like seven bucks an hour. No, cause I was making like three and a quarter, you know, on the farm first before I went on the salary, but, um, you know, making like seven and a quarter an hour, man, that was epic proportions of money. Right. The listeners are like three, seven dollars. What? Well, that was 25 years ago, but I I look back at those times and I just am so thankful for the time of doing that, you know, and, and that's when I was introduced to being a hot tender. That's what I was doing out of high school. And, and back in high school, I I was, you know, I participated in several things, you know, cross country and track, and I played soccer and stuff through high school, but I was just ready to be out. I I did shop classes. I love shop classes. I love mechanicking. I loved all those different things I was doing with my hands and knowing what I know now, I know why, because that's, that's me. But you know, when I graduated, I just couldn't wait to get to work, go to work. I'm going to get after it. Right. And mm-hmm. can't wait to move out too. That was another thing. You know, the second I got out of high school, it was like, I'm moving out. And I remember my, one of my best friends, uh, Troy Herzog and I, we decided, Oh man, we're going to move out. We moved into the basement of this guy and we were so excited about it. I think our rent was like 500 a month. And we was like everything we had to pay it between the two of us. So did you, when you said you wanted to work and have a job and just got me thinking of back when I was in high school, because they were chasing me every year through high school to play football. And all I wanted to do was work. I was, I was like assistant manager at the music store at that time, which doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) But, um, did you play sports? Yeah, I played, I played soccer through high school and I even, I played some indoor even after high school, I kept playing indoor and stuff, but you know, Look, when you're, when I'm working a lot and after work, then what? Well, I was, I've always been a sleeper when it's time to go to bed, it's time to go to bed, but you know, there's still time to go, you know, prowling, right? You got to go hang out with the guys and, you know, see if you can go find girls to talk to and all that good fun stuff. But that's, that's kind of the the timeline there through getting out of high school. And then I, you know, started hot tending and figured out pretty quick. That sucks. Um, don't want to be a bricklayer. Hot tending sucks. So I got introduced to, uh, a company in, in, in Utah County and I was hired there as a laborer for 10 bucks an hour. So thinking back, you know, that's almost a 30% increase yeah. in wages. That was, that was again, another epic jump. I'm getting paid by the hour and it's $10 for every hour. And the cool thing was, is if I worked over 40 hours, I was getting time and a half. Now this is wow. a whole nother world, right? So that's where my, my career in concrete pumping really started there. And, um, you know, it wasn't, uh, that was like 97, late 97. And then, you know, I, I worked there for a couple of years or so. And then I went and, and worked for a startup. And that's really where my, again, I was given an opportunity to do something. And through the opportunity, I learned uh, some of the things that I didn't want, uh, like the person that I didn't want to be and, or, you know, how I wanted to run a company, things like that. I, I learned, to, well, I learned to be a, a mechanic. I learned to be a salesperson. I learned to be a, you know, dispatcher. I learned to be a counselor. I learned to do all these things inside of a business because it was a small startup business. So I was learning all those things pretty quick. And, you know, 
then I also learned about complacency and I learned about, you know, attitude and I learned about, um, you know, when opportunities are present, sometimes it's okay to say no, you know, and sometimes it's okay to step up and, and take action and do things. And, and what I, what I learned was, is that I did want to do something for myself. I just didn't know all the ins and outs of doing it. I knew enough for sure how to do it and it made enough relationships to, you know, circle the wagons. I had a lot of people that supported me and, and getting that ball rolling. I had a lot of people that were in the background that were on the cheerleading stands going, you can do it, which I hear a lot of stories of people where under, under their breath, they hear people say, you know, not you, you're not going to get there. I, I don't ever remember feeling that or seeing that or hearing that. And if it was happening, they didn't do it to my face because everybody that was around me was cheering me on. Yeah. And that was, uh, you know, I'd, I'd been married at this point for a couple of years. I think we got married in, in 2002. So back up to yeah. chasing girls. Now you met Jamie. Oh, yeah, so I, how did you meet Jamie? Oh, this is a wonderful story. Awesome. And what age are you right now? So um, I'm 21 uh, when I start. So I'm like 20, yeah, 22, something like that. Um, when I, I think I was yeah, 21, 22 when I meet Jamie. And we had, we had an office up by the Ogden airport. And, um, one day, uh, I guess the mail had been delivered to the wrong building next door. So this young lady walks in packing the mail to take it upstairs. Well, she caught my eye really quick and I followed her upstairs. (laughs) (laughs) So she went upstairs and I'm like, no, I'm going to find out who this person is. So I'm heading up the stairs. She's heading down the stairs and we run into each other in the stairwell and, you know, we start chatting and. And I'm at the time building my first home. I'm really excited about it. I'm proud of it. I'm, you know, 21 or 22 years old and I'm building my first house and I'm just so excited about it. And, and I'm talking to her and she was talking about going into the military and was talking about buying a townhouse. And yeah, it might, it might surprise you, but if you think about it, it wouldn't surprise you, Jamie, going in the military. Yeah. So we're talking, we find out we have the same uh, uh, lady that's a family friend doing our mortgages you know, this is the broker for it. Right. And, uh, so we leave that conversation and, and she would tell the story different than me, but I remember, you know, going, Oh, you know, you shouldn't buy a townhouse. You should just, you know, move in with me. And, you know, you can, <laughs> you can clean my house. Wait a minute. This is the stuff. first, very first time I met her and talked to her. Ever. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's how I roll. But, um, and, and she laughs about it. She's like, yeah, you've told me you could come live with him and clean his house. <laughs> so romantic, which, which kind of follows suit through our marriage. But um, I remember calling the gal doing my mortgage, mortgage on my home. And I was like, I just met this gal. This is her name. And, and do you know her? She's like, of course I know her. Her mom's a very dear friend of mine. I was like, great. I need her phone number. She's like, I can't do that. So she's like, I'll call you back. So she, she calls me back later. She's like, okay, I got permission. You can have her phone number. You can call it the the home. So I call the house immediately and I'm like, Hey, is Jamie there? And Jamie, the person answers the phone is like, I'm sorry. Can I take a message? And I was like, well, yeah, this is Brett. I met her, you know, and just, you know, here's my phone number. Have her call me. Well, come to find out it was, it was Jamie that answered the phone. Oh she my was gosh. Telling me she wasn't home. So her mom calls me back later. And, and anyways, fast forward, we, you know, we, the, our first is, this was, we met the week after September 11th. Wow. Yeah. When that, when that week is September 11th. So it was the very next week is the week we met um, and we went on our first date. And I remember her grandmother was in the hospital. She was, 
she was getting close to, you know, the end yeah. for her and it was really heavy for her. And so I remember we met one night after she went to the hospital and we just started spending time together. I mean, I was building my house. I was working all day and building my house at night and she'd come over and she was going to the gym, I think like three hours or four hours a day, probably at the time. And she was big on, on, you know, training classes and teaching classes at the gym and stuff. So that's really where our relationship started. We met in September and, and I, we were married in February the following year. Wow. That that's an awesome story. And so Jamie would say it a little bit different. Ah, pretty, pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. Same story. But another example of when, you know, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was 20 over, over 20 years ago, right? So that was 20, 20 and a half years ago now. That's that to me is another, um, quality of yours that just comes shining through. It's like, you're always very decisive when you want to do something, you do it. Yeah. Good, bad, ugly. And, and all those things for sure. I mean, it, I would, well, I can tell you the whole story. It was, it's been really easy. The end. Yeah. Yeah. So you get married in February. How soon did Hagen come along? Uh, you're asking questions that are inappropriate really inappropriate because you're putting me on the spot for timelines and dates. I know. <laughs> so I'll tell you, we did, it was, it was some time before we had Hagen because Hagen, you know, turns 18 this yep. month. So gotcha. we've been, yeah. So it was a couple of years before Hagen came along, but that's a story in itself because I remember, yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. So uh, this was one of the moments in time where I thought I'd reached the point in my marriage where the honeymoon was over. My wife was nuts and we were going to get divorced. Explain, please. It was just, there was so much energy that was unexplainable. Jamie had always been like a very level-headed, um, almost tomboyish, really, as far as her emotion. She's not, a, I'm definitely the emotional person in the marriage. And I remember we, we went to Bear Lake for a family party, and, and Jamie will tell you the story now. She had her bags packed. She was like ready to go. Like she'd had enough, like, you know. It was, it was just, you know, there was a lot of tension in our marriage and stuff and a lot of unknown tension. We didn't even really understand where it was coming from. It was like, I, I only knew how to work seven days a week. I would come home from work mm. at, you know, 10 o'clock at night or, or two o'clock in the morning or whenever I got done working on trucks and I was working over the weekend. And so there really wasn't. You were a, providing. Well, it was, it was just, you know, 23 year old kid 24, 25 years old and, and I'm ready to rock and roll in this life, but it's like, I only know how to do one thing, work a lot. Yeah. And so that working a lot was doing a lot of good things from a financial standpoint. I mean, we had all the wonderful things that everybody wants, you know, a brand new car, you know, brand new pickup truck, new house and new Harley and all this garbage. Yeah. And we weren't happy. Right? Is this, is this when you started your company? This is right before, this is, this is before, okay. this is quite a bit before, this is before Hagen. Well, then what happened was, is, is, uh, she, you know, she found out that she was like, you know, halfway through her pregnancy. Yeah. Mm. And so that was just like a big aha moment. I remember walking into a job trailer at Malto Mill up here in Tremont and I get a phone call from my wife and she's like, Hey, and I said, what's up? And she goes, I'm pregnant. I said, okay. And that was about the noise. It was on the other end of the phone. It was just like, we were kind of just sitting there. Right. And like, well, okay, well, so, um, yeah, we'll talk about that when I get home and I walk in the trailer and, and the superintendent is still a friend of mine today. Uh, dear, and he goes, you okay, bud? And I said, ah, he's like, you look like you just seen a ghost. I said, I, yeah, I think I'm okay. I guess I'm going to be a dad. He's like, well, congratulations. That's exciting. And I'm going, I, I don't know. Is it exciting? Is it supposed to be exciting? I didn't know 
if this was an exciting thing yet, right? And and that's really how that whole process went. But what it what it showed us in that moment was here's why a lot of things are happening and why we're feeling the way we're feeling. And this is where a lot of this emotion and this energy is coming from because you know my wife's been pregnant for four months and we didn't know that. So now we we switch gears to this exciting moment and now we're going to have a, a new baby boy and and this is a whole new journey and this is where it really starts to you know take shape in our marriage because it goes from her and I to her and Hagen and and then I right so it was like I went from you know I'm the husband and you know we're going to hang out we're going to spend time together to now my wife's got this you know my wife I say this because Jamie was the you know queen bee of taking care of, of Hagen. I mean, I didn't have to get up in the middle of the night. She got up in the middle of the night. She was, you know, taking care of his every whim. I was still doing me. I was still the guy going to work all the time. And, and, you know, now the, the priorities have changed a little bit, but not so much, just a little bit, right? There was just a little bit of shift, but then it became like I was the third wheel in the relationship. So we kind of get back on a level playing field and stuff. And, you know, fast forward, um, you know, three or four years of, of, Hagen and, and, you know, in this time frame is, is when, you know, I pull resources and friendships and relationships and good, uh, you know, partnerships to start frontline. And, you know, we get started 2006 and it's like, uh, June of 2006. I remember it was just the first part of June, 2006. And, and, um, we're off and running. And because of the nature in which the way leaving the previous place of employment and the new business happened, all of a sudden I end up with all these guys that I didn't intend to necessarily have. But now I've got all these, all these awesome guys that are part of my family and I have like one loaner pump. I got nothing. <laughs> so we got a whole bunch of sales guys now. And we've got a team of people to go out and execute jobs in this one POS. And by POS, I mean POS. But that first year was just, just a lot of, you know, blood, sweat and tears and grind and a lot of, you know, big cheerleading section and people supporting and fast forward through 2006, 2007 and, and everybody in Utah, or remember even around the country, you know, 2006, 2007, man, those were, those were great years. Booming. Yeah. I mean, I thought I was that awesome. I really did. <laughs> I thought I was so cool, man. Best salesman. Oh, dude. I had, I mean, I was all, you know, here I am, you know, mid, mid to late twenties now. And, and I'm, I'm king of the mountain, dude. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm making more money than I could have ever imagined. And I'm, and I'm putting it back in the business, but it's like, I'm so excited. I'm in, now I'm going to build my dream house. You know, I'm going to build my dream house. We bought five acres. We're going to build it up in Honeyville and we get up there and we're building this dream house and, you know, 2007 and, and, uh, we move or 2008, I think anyways, we move in 2008 that's when we were building it. We move in and, and, uh, I want to say that, you know, we move in in January and, and Peyton's born. Mm. Right. And so now we've got a family of two. So now we're in our dream house. It's this big, beautiful home custom built for us on five acres. And now we've got all this yard work and, you know, we're camping and we're doing all this stuff that mm. in my mind, I thought this is what it's supposed to be like. This is what we're supposed to do. These are the things that families do. We vacation, we, you know, we work hard, we play hard. It doesn't matter if I don't come home till two, three in the morning. That's okay. Cause I'm working hard. Right. And, and, you know, my wife would, I'd come home and warm up my dinner and, and go to sleep and wake up and do it all over again. And sometimes I'd be home for, you know, eight hours. And sometimes I'd be home for two hours and, 
sometimes I'd just work all the way through whatever it was and that's what we were doing. And, and then, and then come, you know, Thanksgiving, 2008, and all of a sudden we hit the, the brakes on building and it was just kind of this crazy, you know, almost matrix time of, of my life when, you know, everything starts to become a blur because that's when things started to kind of unraveled, right? The financial uh, piece starts to come unraveled. The work comes unraveled, the, the culture that's been built, the relationships, everybody's being tested. They're being tested emotionally, physically, um, you know, they're being tested at home. They're being tested at work. There's just so many things that are going on during that time in our life, in this world. And especially in mine where now all of a sudden I'm not so cool right now. And now all of a sudden, you know, life is taking a whole different turn and, and now it's time to be tested. Well, the neat thing was, was in January of 2008. Um, and it was actually late 2007, I had my, my, I surpassed my five-year business plan and I'm a year and a half into business. Mm. So I've already passed up my five-year plan. I'm, 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 I'm killing it. Right. I'm like, I'm like two, I'm like almost two times what I had intended to be. That's how much growth had happened in that period of time. So at that moment, I was really thinking to myself, like, I don't have the knowledge and the skills and the tools to to keep going. I'm like already above my, my thought process as far as leadership and things like that. And my sheer determination was no longer enough to just work hard and get it done. Yeah. I really, I really need some help. So I start talking to friends. That's what, that's what people do. They start talking to friends. So I talked to um, several friends and, and a lot of them are like, man, that's a really tough problem to have there, <laughs> Brett, you know, I like to feel sorry for you and all those things, but you know, so you know, I, I am over talking with a good friend of mine and uh, some friends. I grew up down the street from them, the Caps, um, Gary and Penny Cap and, and Ricky Jorgensen, and just talking with them one day. And, and I just wanted to pick their brain because, I mean, they had been in business for a long time, successful in my, in my view, you know, and, and I knew that it hadn't been easy. But, I mean, I was thinking, man, this was really easy and now it's kind of not. And what's going on? And where did this come from? And they said, oh, well, here, we, we've got the perfect thing for you. <laughs> Um, there's going to be a guy that calls you. He's from a company called rapport. And, uh, so when he calls you just get signed up, give him your credit card and get in the next class. So he calls me, I'm talking to him. I, this guy's ate some bad fruit loops. He, I mean, he's really enthusiastic, energetic, <laughs> almost a little bit creepy. And, and I'm, I'm distracted. So I'm just, yes, 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 yes. And, and, uh, you know, give him my credit card and, and I'm like, wow, okay. That was, that was kind of pricey. You know I mean? What is this thing I'm doing? Yeah. And so, um, uh, he's like, yeah, you're going to Las Vegas. This is when you need to be there. And it was only in a, a few weeks and I was going to Las Vegas. And so I'm thinking, I love Las Vegas. Las Vegas is great. <laughs> I have fun in Las Vegas, man. Las, I love it. So I pack up, I'm going down to Las Vegas. I'll say hi to some friends and spend a night and, and then go to the training. So I go down there and had probably a little bit too much fun the night before and showed up a little bit under the weather for, for class on the class day. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was definitely, again, a defining moment, right? Where it was just like kind of got hit between the eyes with a, a two by four. And I remember going through Leadership Breakthrough One and thinking to myself, uh, you know, that was 14 years ago. So I would have been like 28, 29, something like that. And thinking to myself, I don't, I, I really know nothing. Everything that I thought I knew, I, I don't know, right? It's like I'm hearing all these people older than me 
here I am late twenties. I've got all these people in my class, much older than me, um, you know, telling life stories and, and giving real life, you know, instances and in, in sharing of themselves, which was impacting me deeply, but I still wasn't getting it. Like it was, it was something that was very, it was cutting deep, but my ego was pretty big at this time. I mean, I was pretty proud of myself. I thought, I, I mean, I really had done a lot of great things. I mean, I'm on top of the world. Why am I here? You know, and, and everything that was happening was conversation about business and personal life. And the business part of it, I mean, I found it really easy to dive in and, and be very purposeful on the business side. When I got to the personal side, that was when I kind of glossed it over, just like I'd been doing all along, glossing it over, glossing it over. And I remember getting to the end of that class and, and the last process, I have no idea what I said or did. Um, I just know that I, I was told I passed myself and and I was really emotional at that moment in time. And, and that's when it hit me like, you know, I'm a dad and I'm a husband and I have a lot of work to do, man, because I suck but I get to go home and do better. And I remember I was kind of in this time warp of all this stuff going on and I get to graduation and my, my nominator, my sponsor, my friend, uh, Ricky comes to my graduation. He brings my pregnant wife who was pregnant with Peyton at the time. And they come to my drive all the way to Alamo to support me at my graduation. And I didn't even say, thank you. I mean, I did when we got in the car and we were headed home, but not at graduation, which is one of those things that yeah. still hangs out with me to this day. And I share with every class I train, but you know, that was really, again, a defining moment in life where I really didn't know so much what it meant. I just knew that I felt different and I knew that I had a different focus and it was time to go to work, but I didn't really know how to go to work. So what I would start sending my team and my partners and my friends and other business owners and things. I started sending lots of people and going on team, but you know, that seems like a whole other time, 14 years ago doing that. When did Jamie go? Jamie went to PC with me the same year. That was her first class. That's when I became a master grad. So I went to leader one and then sent a whole bunch of people. And, and then my brother and I went to leader two together, which was, you know, a gift you know, yeah. definitely a gift that it really, you know, we've, we spent our whole lives together. We used to sleep in the same bed with yeah. each other growing up, you know, it's just been, you know, I've been through a lot and, uh, you know, he's definitely one of those people where I can honestly, you know, raise my hand and say, I've, I've let him down a lot in this lifetime, you know, but I work hard every day to not let him down. Like I work hard every day to, you know, be there for him and, and do better for him. But you know, I sent him, we went to leader two together and then we took our wives, uh, his wife's name is Jamie as well. We took our wives and we went to PC, which great story. Uh, Jamie was breastfeeding uh, Peyton at, at the time, which was really good because that was no big deal for me. I'm a solution guy. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to get a hotel room in the hotel we're doing the training at. And when we take a break, you can go, you know, do that thing with, with our child. I'm you need laughing. to do. And, and this is my, this is my, this is my mentality. I mean, and, and, and still to this day, I've got a lot of that that goes on that I have to get slapped with, but it's like, Oh, it's no big deal. We can absolutely overcome this. Your sister will come stay with us. She'll stay in the room with, with Peyton. And then on, like I said, on the break, you can go pump or you can go feed her, whatever needs to happen. That is, it's easy. And here's my beautiful wife just plowing through and, and showing up and being there and making it happen. And I think back at it to that moment and I go, <laughs> God bless her. 
God oh, bless her. Uh, and and this is probably why wow. she just you just opened a door for yeah. me. <laughs> Good. Good. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. What so, the, the part that I could be that stupid? Yeah, just really. How much she loves you. That that is a big piece and Jamie's always been that person, but you know, anymore she has figured out the no. The no thank you part. I mean, that's really something that's grown the last couple three years. So oh, back up just one yeah. step. You you get through LB1. You said you went through graduation and you're at the final process and you had an aha moment, especially with family. And me personally, what changed after LB1? Leadership, breakthrough one. When you got home, did your relationship with your kids change too? I mean, Diesel, I mean, so first of all, kids meaning I hadn't had, I only had Hagen still. And this Correct. is still a point in... Hagen and I's relationship where I loved him. I didn't know if I liked him yet. Gotcha. Okay. This was, this was a tough, you know, thing for me. And I've shared it with lots of people. It was yeah. like, I knew I loved my son the moment he was born, but I just didn't know if I liked him. And it was some time before I really did start to like him. Cause you know, he was, he screamed all the time. I mean, <laughs> he cried about everything all the time. He got all of my wife's attention, attention right? Yeah. It was just like this, this tug of war, you know, he slept in the same room and in the, you know, just always there. And so it was, you know, this, this whole time of, of having kids, you know, and, and having Peyton and having a daughter was, was so special. And that happened after leader one. And after I want to say it probably happened after leader one, cause I went to leader one in, in January. And I think it was like, uh, I don't, I don't remember when I went to, uh, leader two, but that middle of that summer or that spring, it would, it might've only been like three or four months or something. Cause it was within like nine months that I was a master grad. Wow. Did the, did your structure of time change from, you know, before you went through leadership one and you you had a lot of challenges. You talked about a, a lot of eight, nine, 10 hour days, some three hour days, did that change afterwards? Yeah, no, um, it, it really didn't. I mean, I really became purposeful and I started to work on being a better role model and leader in the sense of work. When it came time to home, I mean, I was, I was disconnecting and, and going, you know, camping and things and being more present, but that's still something I work on today. So that wasn't, it, it's, it was a focus, um, but that didn't mean I still had the answer. Like I still didn't know how to do it. Like I knew where I wanted to get to. I still didn't know how to do it. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I might have worked, you know, half a day on Saturday and then been home the rest of the day and all day Sunday. And so things did move, but then all of a sudden we're in this, you know, recession. Well, now it's all hands on deck again, right? Now it's a whole new ball game. Now I get to, you know, reinvent everything. And, and that's where it got really crazy. It was like, that's when I tested a lot of friendships and partnerships and relationships yeah. and, tested the culture of the business and all these things. And, you know, that was just a, it was just a, that was a tough time and a tough transition. That's where my, I want to say my ego got the biggest check because I got a good check in leader one. Um, I got a really good check during the recession. You know, there's nothing like a good bankruptcy to really bring out the best in someone, you know, to, to go, you know, long periods of time without getting any money to, you know, starting to really focus on what do I need and what don't I need? What's important to me? What's not important to me? And that's really where the transition between, you know, having a home and having things and having all these things, 
it really, that wasn't important to me. What was important to me was my family, right? And figuring out how to take care of my family and not let my family down and, and make sure that what they needed, they got and stuff like that. And that was, that was also my family at work. And so, you know, I was able to truck through that time frame in about a year, you know, it was about a 12 month, you know, maybe, maybe 24 months of was the period of time between when things started going south to when I had them kind of go in the other direction again and, and restructuring and recreating and rebuilding and, you know, making sure that we paid off all of our, you know, IOUs and debts to everybody so that I could sleep good at night and, and really working through those things. And I think that's where it moved from my ego to like building character, right? So that was where before I might not have had strong character. It was like, that's where I really started to develop my character was really created in those tough, you know, where my ego got beat up. It doesn't mean I don't have an ego today because I definitely have an ego today, but it's more so like I'm, I'm okay admitting guilt. I'm okay admitting I'm wrong. I'm okay saying I'm sorry. I'm okay with, you know, being the, the problem of whatever happened and, and moving on. I'm okay with it. It's great. Let's do it. Um, but the character side of, of knowing what it feels like to, to stand in, in, in a room and have people tell you that, that you suck, mm-hmm. you know, that even though I knew I didn't, at least deep down inside, I knew I didn't. Like, I, I know I had done everything I, I should have done. I was responsible, but it was just the temperament and the times. That's what it was. Yeah. Like, you know, figure out how to grind and get out of that. And by the time I get out of that, I remember we'd had diesel during this time, mm. this whole period of time we had diesel. So now it's like, now we're a family of five. I've got three kids. Jamie, guess what? She's not doing now. She's not working after two. So now, now we're, you know, this all happens at this time frame in which, I'm the sole income for the family and Hey, I love you. I don't know when we're getting paid. I don't know how much we're going to get paid. I don't know how that's going to work. We just got to figure it out. Right. So that's when we started to become a real family. Mm. That's when, that's when the fan, that's when we really started to come together. That was when, when all those other distractions were gone and, and all the, the things, you know, the, the worst worthless things were really removed from our distractions and in our life and what we were focused on. It just became us focusing on us, man, did, did it make a shift? And that's when the tools from, you know, being a master graduate again, just keep showing up and kept showing up. And, and I would choose to do what's right over what was easy and do what's right over what I could get away with and do what's right over, you know, what, what I was being counseled to do and all those things. And then, you know, when I decided to, to, you know, really, really focus on my marriage is when um, we decided, you know, what we're going to do, we're going to leave our dream home and we're going to move to Las Vegas and we're going to, we're going to move to Henderson, Nevada, and uh, we're going to do it for one year. That was the deal. We're going to do it for one year. So we pick up, we load the U-Haul and we move to Henderson, Nevada, and, and uh, we're going to spend a year there. Well, I can tell you that it ended up being two and a half years. I that, remember that little that. trip, a little trip we took to to Nevada, and Jamie didn't want to come home, but she came home for me. And you know, the first year was kind of like the honeymoon. It was kind of like the, you know, we learned how to be a family. We learned how to. I learned how to spend time with my wife. Like I'd never really spent time with her, and now I'm with her every day. Not all day long, but like. I was with her in the morning. I would take my kids to school. I'd go to work. I'd come home. I was with her at night. We would 
have dinner together. We would work out together. That's when our gym time really started to be together all the time. And I got to interrupt you. Yeah. You know, Brett's talked to me over the years. And one of the things he asked me one day, he goes, how many times have you been married? And as I'm, as I'm hearing his story, I'm starting to hear the next marriage and the next marriage. Cause you know, when he asked the question, I'm like, I've only been married once for 26 years. What are you talking about? But as he's telling this story, you guys, I'm like, okay, Jamie found her husband again down in Las Vegas. And I get it. She didn't want to come back. I got chills as you, as you say this, cause there's no, it's not the top kick. It's not the 8,000 square foot home. It's your family. You know, Jeff, it's, it's your kids. It's your wife. It's, that's what really matters in life, you know? And I, I went through a process just recently and just real quick, as long as I keep my family at the forefront, no matter what happens in my life, I'm not going to do anything to jeopardize that. And is that that's the front windshield for me. And as you talk about Las Vegas and your story, I just, I'm in awe because it's like, why do we have to have life test you so hard and get you beat up and your ego's like, I got to grind. I got to grind. I'm going to grind 20 hours a day. I don't care. I'm going to get it done. Cause you think that you're proven that, Hey, if I make all this money for my wife, she's going to love me more. Yeah, we have What all these she really wants is just time with me. And, and yeah. even with nothing, it's, it's like family's the glue that holds it all together. Yeah. It, it was the easiest when we didn't have any dis- distractions. It, that's when it was the easiest. That, yeah. that was when uh, we, we as a family were the easiest. It was like we grocery shopped together. We cooked together. We cleaned together. Oh, we, wow. we hung out in the backyard. We didn't go anywhere. It was like peace. We were at peace with each other. Right. And, and, you know, I started to get bored with being, you know, I guess for in my mind on vacation, even though we weren't on vacation, it was like in my mind, I was like, I, I got, I got more to do. I got more to give. I got more to be. And, and during this two and a half years down there is when I, I started to train classes for rapport. Yeah. So the month we moved down there, which was in June. Can you just hold for a second? Because I, I I'm kind of wondering, you moved to Henderson, you started teaching classes for rapport in the meantime, what was going on back with Frontline? Was Frontline just in hold mode? No, I mean, so, so, I mean, this is when, this is one of those times when I can think back that it's like, man, I abandoned my brother and I let my brother down and I left him here. I was, I was still heavily involved in bidding jobs. I was still talking with customers. I was even helping with dispatching jobs and things like that. But there was only so the financial aspect of the business I was still on top of, but there was only so much that I could do living Got that it. far away. You know, I just wasn't here every day. And that, I was, and, and that was in rebuild mode. So it wasn't as busy. So yeah, it was, yeah. it was definitely a rebuild mode. And, and I have no idea of most of the things. Cause I, that's when I kind of moved myself to, that was the gift when I was able to actually move to being at an arm's length. I don't, wasn't really focusing on what was happening today. I was, I was always focusing on what was coming up tomorrow and next week and next month. And, and what's the plan next? That was when that transition happened for me. Yeah. You were able to detach and yeah. get the business from. Yeah. More of the overview. Like yeah. we learned. Yeah. And I didn't know how to do it. Like I said, I, I, I knew what I learned, but I didn't know how to get there. And I was given this gift. Yeah. And, and then, and then I started training classes and that was the hardest thing I'd ever done was, you know, learning to be, you know, a, a trainer for leadership breakthrough one was just, I mean, it was, it was, it was the, 
probably the toughest thing I've ever done. And, and by far the most rewarding thing that, you know, I've done for myself in that Avenue, you know, besides some other things personally, but that's definitely, you know, proudest thing. Absolutely. Um, and it would, I would think that it would be something that would really grow my ego. And if anything, I think it's made me like more humble about it. Like I just don't even, I don't, I don't talk about it. I don't really share it. It's other people that share it. I don't, I don't share it. Um, and, and the more time I spend doing it, the more it's like, I'm okay. Just going and giving it a hundred percent of me and then, and then going home to my family. I'm, I'm good with it. I'm, I have peace with it. And it was a heck of a process, man. Feedback to the umpteenth degree and, and that whole process was just uh, one moment feeling like, you know, I'm making a difference and I'm changing lives and I'm doing all these things in the next minute, feeling like I am a complete failure and I didn't get anything right and I didn't know anything. And that's the process. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely a learning process and a tough challenge, but met some, you know, family through that process will, will be with me the rest of my life, you know, fellow trainers. And, and that's where I really fell in love with rapport. You know, I, I had really fallen in love with it. And, you know, during this time, uh, I'm not even a master trainer yet. When we moved back to you, what is a master trainer? Master trainer is, is, is basically I can train the class by myself. That's a master trainer. I've been certified to train the class. Um, and I've been certified by another master trainer or multiple and, and certified that I can train that class through whatever is shown at me by myself. And, uh, I remember the day. So I remember passing myself to a master trainer and it was emotional and I, you know, go out and hang out that night with other trainers and just kind of celebrated. And then I went home the next day and I remember driving home from the airport and I am just like bawling and it Mm. won't shut off and it just keeps coming and it's coming and it's coming. And I'm like, something broke, something's broke. I don't know what it is. And I remember picking up the phone I'm calling, uh, you know, the Michelle Fonseca is another trainer and I call her on the phone and I'm, I'm telling her what's going on. I go, I saw what's going on. And she's like, Hey, welcome to the party. Wow. You know, you're just, you're just letting go of, you know, everything that you've built up and, and pinned up for over two and a half years. And it's finally, you're just letting it all go right now. And you're going to experience that more than once. And, you know, still to this day, it's like that coming home from training a class. It's like, I'll come home from training to class and, and I'm, I may, sh- I may cry all the way home from training or training to class. Cause I've, I've saved it up from class, mm-hmm. not showing the emotion. And then when it starts to flow, it's like, okay, I can't turn it off. I'm just going to let it all out. And then I get home and I'm good. And I don't have all this crap built up, but yeah, it was a heck of a journey. That was, that was two and a half years of my life. Wow. Just, just that peace, which again, seems like an eternity ago. So at this time you're still living in Vegas in Henderson and when at, you, at, at the point I passed myself or yes, I, I, we'd move back to Utah. Okay. So you moved back to Utah and then there was a point where you joined building Utah youth. I joined building Utah youth before I moved to Vegas. Okay. So that's, so you were already on the board. Yeah. It was like time. 2009. I so, think when I came on the board. Okay. And for the audience, what is, what is building Utah youth? So building Utah youth is a nonprofit here in Northern Utah that was started by, you know, a local community of, of individuals that were graduates of rapport. Um, many of which were already leaders in their businesses, um, various different businesses, but all kind of a close knit community of people. I mean, when it started up here, it was spread like wildfire, just word of mouth, you know, this person knows that person that knows that person. And, and, uh, so they, they decided, 
just as we hear in so many classes, man, wouldn't this be great if we could deliver this training for our teens? You know, if our teens could have this training, if I could have this training as a teenager, I can't imagine the things that I would do in this life. Well, guess what? We have a teen class. So they are getting, they excited about the teen class. The problem with the teen class, everybody's got to fly their kids to Las Vegas to go to class, which now that doesn't sound as exciting. So they said, well, why don't we just bring the teen class here to Utah? So we'll, we'll, you know, so one of the, I'm not even to call them out, but you know, so many amazing people, one of them actually wrote a check for the first class and said, well, then here's how much the first class is. Here's the check. Let's sign the first class. So off comes the first class and, and, uh, that's where it started. It was just like, they, they sat together, they put together, they put the, put out the vision of creating something. They created building Utah youth to be able to raise the money bring the training here to Utah and just train our local teens here from our, from our community here locally. And, and it's expanded into, you know, a lot of kids, you know, kids from Southern Utah, mm-hmm. uh, Southern Idaho, um, from Wyoming. So we've had some surrounding areas and, and, you know, this year's going to be our biggest year, 150 teens we're going to train this year. It's going to be epic, but yeah, that started in, and uh, I think the first class was in 2007. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think it was 2009 when I came on the board and I remember when I came on because, you know, there was really no one on the board at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember when you came on the board is when I was living in, in Las Vegas. Yes. Yes. And uh, so I came on the board. I'm really excited to give back and be a part of building Utah youth. And then it's like, well, I'm moving to Las Vegas and I'm moving to Nevada, but here's why I'm going to be a trainer for rapport, but I'll still fly back. So I was flying back and going to board meetings. So I was flying mm-hmm. back all the time working, but yeah, that's, it seems like it wasn't that long ago, but it was it was a few days ago when all that was going down. It was it was you know a long time. That was that was over ten years ago. So when, fast forward, staying yeah. on building Utah Youth, a lot has changed over that time. We we've grown the board. Um, just anything you want to add about building Utah Youth? What does building Utah Youth need right now? Just for the audience. So in case somebody building Utah youth right now needs people brave enough to get involved in, in really sponsoring teens, like finding out enough about what we do by, by really embodying themselves in the training. Like, like everybody wants to be, you know, get on, on the bandwagon bandwagon of something that's great and profound, especially if Oprah talks about or something else. Right. But at the end of the day, like these kids get life changing training, you know, awareness training, in two and a half days, it's two and a half days, 48 hours. They, they literally get their minds to focus on who they are, what they're about, what they're made of, what, what value they have, where they're going, what they're doing, what they will create with this life, how they show up or don't, what, you know, they just get to see all these things and then they get to go to work, right? Well, I shared with you my two and a half day experience and I learned all these things too and I didn't know how to put it to work, but they, it really starts to grow and it starts to evolve and it starts to change. We plant seeds, we're farmers, we farm. That's what Building Utah Youth does. We we cultivate the community. We bring together community leaders to to really rally these teens. We bring in these teens from all different schools, all different walks of life. They don't know each other. They're judgmental of each other. And we plant them in the same classroom and we say, welcome to Teen Leadership Breakthrough. And uh, the, by the way, the first thing you do is get a, give a speech on the importance of being on time. And that's how it starts. But what happens is, is through this process of them becoming honest and open and aware of themselves. And, and then that's where the magic happens. All of a sudden now they're just one unit and one family and they love each other and they care about each other. And they don't even really know what difference they have anymore. They actually, 
they actually look at each other through these rose colored glasses that their differences are beautiful and amazing and wonderful because they have so much in common and that's what they figure out. So it's, it's like, you know, being in an auditorium and you look around and it's like, you don't know anybody. There's thousands of people and everybody's on their phone and doing whatever. And I mean, I've been at a concert and people are on their phones. Exactly. You know, I mean, there isn't a concert live where they're not focusing on video in the concert. It's like, <laughs> put your phone down and watch the concert, you know, but it's like, no, I got to send this to everybody else in my life. Right. But being able to remove those distractions and just be for 48 hours is amazing. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. We create that and, and we create it by just continuing to organize the community, raise the funds to do it, and then put in the work that's needed to bring it together and make it happen. I mean, once we actually have a class, that's the easy part. Just a lot of work that goes into it before and then acknowledging all those people that actually give. It's it's really important. So we have an important, you know, uh, calling. We have an important, you know, task before us, and that's just to continue to grow it and, and bring it to as many as possible, you know? And I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think, you know, that fiduciary duty that everybody on the board has, you know, we also want to have brick and mortar and have a building so we can even do it more than what we did this year. And, you know, that's another thing that, you know, we've been talking at, uh, on the board is to build, build a building. Um, so it, it's exciting times and I, I'm, I'm also honored and Jeff and everybody here is on the board that's in the studio today. Um, but let's continue on you, Brett. So, um, kind of moving forward from there, you know, you're going back and forth. Now you're back here in Utah. What, what happened from, you know, I guess that's probably 2015 to present. Any kind of feeling? Yeah, I've been there? back here for eight years Yeah, this October. So yeah, it's, it's already been eight years. Wow. Um, and that's, that's been a, that's just been a rapid, crazy adventure. You, um, wow. You did a couple other classes. So the, I mean, that, and where I'm going with this is you, you, you and your co-owner of rapport started something called circle. What is it? Well, along the lines of that. So I'm a master graduate and, and now I'm a master trainer and now I'm training teen classes and I'm training adult classes and I'm excited. I'm honored. I'm grateful for it. We've got building Utah youth headed like steamrolling in the right direction. Um, and, and just so many blessings, right. Coming out of everywhere. There's just so much love coming around us, around me. And, um, you know, living here and, and really getting my home in, in order and, and these, these times of being back here and kind of reacclimating to the area and everything else. And, thinking about how I wanted to do it this time, what I wanted to create. Jamie and I went to a class called life mastery, got to build our five-year plan for our life. And, and man, did we freaking execute on that plan? It was just like, everything was just hammering through it. And then, you know, we fast forward and, um, you know, find ourselves in a position to, uh, it was on a serving on an executive committee for rapport with, with Mark Mahoney, my partner. And, and uh, we, we fell in love with each other. I'm, I'm going to tell you a love story. You know, we, we fell in love with each other. We're, I mean, we are definitely brothers. And I mean, there's very few days that go by that I don't talk to him or text him for sure. Um, and we talk a lot. You know, we used to fly to Vegas once a month to meet. And we, we got to business and we had fun with each other. And we just talked about life. And, and through this process of mentoring and building and coaching each other because we were very open very honest very transparent actually even rude at some points to each other we were just like brothers you know mm -hmm. um and then we decide you know 
how do we continue this initiative? We, we, we want to pay it forward. Let's, we, let's, we're, we're going to sign up to be the new caretakers of rapport. And I look at it that way and everybody's like, what do you mean? And it's like, well, you know, we, we bought rapport, but, um, and we were, you know, current owners of rapport this time. And, uh, but we still look at it as our job, our role, our responsibility is to to leave it better than we found it, to make it bigger than we found it, to to impact more people is what I mean with it. And uh, you know that vision from the very first day. I mean that was that was five you know over five years ago when that happened. Um, and you know we've there's just been so many things that have happened since then. But one of the things that happened first for us was we dove into you know, really understanding our new child that we had adopted or we were caring for now um, to understand how this business that had been around for 30 years, what made it what it is. I mean, I'm a trainer. I've been through it. I love it. But why, 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 you know, what makes rapport rapport? Where has it been? What, what, why is it the way, why is it the way that it is, right? What, what's made it this way? What's created this? And really just listening to people and understanding it. And we'd make some changes and move some this way. And we did a planning meeting with uh, Bridget one day and started to kind of visualize and, and, and Bridget man has been like a, I'm pretty sure God sent her to us, but you know, Bridget's been a trainer for, you know, over 25 years. She's been with the company and she comes in, you know, riding on her white stallion. And she's like, <laughs> Hey, we were here training a teen class. Well, I was training a teen class with her. And she's like, when you need some help, let me know. And so, you know, chatting with her and, and we do some strategic planning with her and, and we're talking about all that we can see it being and doing and creating and, and how all this transcends into our youth programs and, and everything that we want to give back and how we want to be involved. Right. So you fast forward and now today, you know, let's see, January of 2020 is when we announce Bridget is the newest president of rapport leadership. Okay such a proud time. So honored, so thankful, um, breath of fresh air, inspired, motivated. We're headed in the right direction. We have a clear path. We started to pave that path. We've got the ball rolling. You know, we've got these initiatives, what we're going to do and create and build. And then we go to business mastery together and we spend, you know, five days of business mastery with each other. And that's where, you know, we started with the brainchild of thinking up some new you know, stuff because, you know, I've done, I've done all the rapport classes, every one of them. I've done all of them, every one. Right. And so January, we go to business mastery. We start planting some seeds and we're gelling and we're figuring out where we're doing, where we're going, how we're going to do it. And man, we're going to impact millions of people, not thousands, not hundreds of thousands, millions. That's what we're going to do. We're going to be a positive force for good. You know, we're going to be out there in front of people that don't even know that they they need us or want us or deserve us. We're going to, we're going to, we get to be there for them. And then all of a sudden it's time for life mastery again. So we go to life mastery again, the same month. So we drive into, you know, business mastery five days. We go to life mastery together after that. And we are, I mean, we are focused. We're getting this thing rocking and it's time to redevelop our next five-year plan for Jamie and I. And Mark's there with his wife. And I remember my parents were there and it was just a beautiful time. This is like, late January, 2020. So we come home from all those things and, and then, uh, we, we got wonderful COVID. Yeah. Which was, it was right after that. I remember being in Las Vegas training a leader one. It was in Alamo. I trained a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday class. And I was so excited for the coach to come in because we had a group of teens from Utah come to take Tingle Eagle quest at the retreat. And my son was going to, uh, 
King Leadership Breakthrough. And uh, they closed Las Vegas that, that, that Sunday. And it was just like, okay, now what? You know, trust the process. So, yeah. No, now what was, you know, we were, we were gifted with so many opportunities. We're gifted with, you know, Bridget's leadership and, and you know, sharing the vision and, and moving forward and, and, you know, being able to develop so many wonderful things that, we, that were created for this because we were gifted that. Right. That wouldn't have happened like they happened. So again, a gift opportunity and, and just a time warp. I mean, that was only two and two years ago, right? It was only, it seems like an eternity ago, but it, it was, it doesn't, it feel like it yeah, was a long time ago, a long time. Yeah. It was only a couple of years ago, but you know, it, it's, and, and through that we, we got stopped with building you tell you, we had, we had big plans, right? Yes. Same thing. We had, we had our strategic planning. We had mapped out our year. We were gonna have mm-hmm. the biggest year ever. We had raised so much money and we had everything ready to go and we're teed up and we've got all these things. And then it was like the door slammed on us. Yeah. And then what? Then you go back to LB one that we all took and we had the tools in our toolbox to move forward. JFDI correct and continue. And I think that's what people forget. You just correct and, and continue. What I've realized is the tools that I've learned through my training really don't show up when life's good. It's so true. They, they always show up when I'm being tested. On a random Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. They show up when I'm being tested. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they show up in the way I can, you know, stop and think through things. And, you know, I love people and I love, I love what we do with, you know, building Utah youth. Cause I mean, you don't love kids. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to like them, but you know, if you don't love them. There's something wrong with you. you know exactly. I mean? It's like they, they're just the breath of everything They're mm-hmm. They are our breath. Right. Yeah. And these kids today, I mean, they have been given challenges that we have never experienced or dealt with as their mm-hmm. parents. We don't know what they're, what they know or are dealing with, but yet they're judged. They're judged by our own view about being lazy and being entitled and, and, you know, not being thankful and all these other things. Right. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, those, some of those things, you know, they really are true. Um, Mm -hmm. if you you want to base it just on merit of how we view things as their parents, you know, you know, they're probably, they're probably accurate, but it's not fair in the sense that, um, that's who they are. And I mean that because they are by far the strongest generation ever walked this planet. Mm -hmm. Hands down. I know it because, you know, I look around the room right now, like, you know, thinking about Mesa and Preston, it's like way stronger, way tougher, right? Way more resilient. And that doesn't mean that every day is easy. It's not, mm-hmm. but they definitely have, you know, more, they, they've got a more of a runway. Right. And so it's like, yeah, well, they just don't worry about some of the things we worried about. They don't. Yeah. yeah and they don't even, but they also don't think that some of the things we worried about are that great, you know? having some of the things that we thought were cool, they don't even think it's that cool because they had them. So it's not a focus anymore, right? So they're skipping past a lot of those things to what's next quicker. You know, you think about your your kids, Jeff, and and you got to admit, it's like really in a thought process. Yeah, in some ways it's like, man, you are so slow getting going here. And then other ways it's like, yeah, but in some ways it's like they're really leaps and bounds ahead in so many avenues of what life's about. So true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I just look at Olivia alone. Oh yeah. And just what she's done. And my gosh. Yeah. And you go, and I was an idiot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, I was an idiot. I was an idiot. My daughter's way ahead of me, way ahead of me. I'm so proud of her going back to you, Brett. So, you know, we go through COVID, um, you correct and continue. 
um, you start to, you go with Bridget to life mastery. Um, so what, what is, what, and maybe, you know, jump into the next phase of this right now is I've got three questions and, and I guess number one, you've got the mic, your kids are going to listen to this. What advice would you give your kids, your kids embrace the suck? Um, you know, every time I've fallen down, I've got people to surround me and pick me up and love me. And and the only reason I haven't noticed it is because it's like every time I've stumbled or fallen, it's like, I didn't really want anyone to know about it. I didn't want anybody to witness it or, you know, have the attention, which I think is a lot of the reason why it's like, I don't want the attention from the other stuff either. Um, it's, it's just embrace it. And the sooner, the sooner I've learned to embrace where I'm really at being honest with where I'm really at, the sooner I get to start moving forward. And the longer I hide behind some BS force field of social media or hide behind some BS force field of what I drive or the clothes I wear or whatever else the story is, the, the longer it takes to move. It just does. You're stuck. I totally agree with you. And that, now I ask you anything you want to say to Jamie. I'm just thankful. Um, my wife puts up with so much. <laughs> oh man. Uh, it's like our, our marriage, even though it's, it's 20 years in the making, it feels like it's been, you know, an entire lifetime or two or three. And when I talk about what marriage you're on, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, I'm probably on like number four <laughs> or five right now. Um, and, and every day it's like, I, I tell her, I go, I work so hard to be a better communicator and I work so hard to, you know, be more present and I work hard to show up. And it's like, you know, she always reminds me that I have more and, and continues to help me focus on where I'm focused in the wrong areas because I'm so eager and quick to jump out and make it happen. Like, Oh yeah, I can fit that in there. No problem. If my calendar says it'll fit, (laughs) it'll fit. Right. And then I'm doing these things that are meant to be like, you know, a force for good or work to, you know, build, people up or make things better or give back or whatever it is. And then, you know, she's pretty quick to, you know, look at me and tell me, you know, why are you really doing it? And that's when it's like, I get into a, a, a crazy space, but you know, I, I can't imagine, I just can't imagine if, if I wouldn't have been tested the way that I've been tested where I would be on this, on this earth right now, I can't imagine what I'd be involved with doing or where I'd be. I just know that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't, you know, have, the life that I have, if my wife wasn't so resilient and, and loving me and trusting me and forgiving me. And, and, you know, I always tell her like, you can hold the biggest grudges and it's like, she really doesn't. She just, she can stay mad at me for a few minutes. You know what I mean? But she doesn't really hold a grudge. It's like, we don't, she doesn't hold grudges. It's just, um, you know, I don't, I don't ever want to say like she, you know, completes me or makes me like the happiest person on the planet. Cause it's like, I want to believe that, you know, I've got to figure that out for myself, but it's like, I really don't know what I would do without her. I don't, Amen. you know, it's, it's, she's everything, you know, and, and just thankful for her. And, and one day I'll work as hard as she does. That's all I got to say. <laughs> one day I will work as hard as I'm, I'm still lazy compared to her. I mean, she's, she's definitely amazing. And a, and a huge part of the building Utah youth organization. Oh, yeah. We, we, that Jamie, thank you for everything you do. Yes, for sure. And for sure. Yeah. Blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, she just does. She's a machine. Detailed. She's been working. I mean, 
there is not a night that goes by that she is not working on it. I mean, she works on building Utah youth every single day. It's like, she's always she working on it, you know, and it's, it's, it's important to her and it's important that it continues to move forward. But you know, right now more than ever, it's like, it's her turn. You know, she mm-hmm. gets to focus on her career, whatever that is. And that next version of her. And, and she's a freaking amazing mom. I mean, yeah. she, every time it's like, she, she helps other than there are some times when I get to be dad, you know, yeah. I get to be dad walk in the room and they're both having their knockdown drag outs and go, who's the adult in the room? What's going on in here? You know, have some fun <laughs> with her, but no, most of the time it's, 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 it's just uh, lots of love. Yeah. Two things. Number one, one more question um, to the audience and past graduates, anything you want to say to them before we close this out? Yeah. If you, if you're sitting there thinking about, do I have more of the answers? Yes. Um, I will, I will guarantee you, you have more, you have more to give, you have more to do, you have more to be, you have more to create, you have more to share. Um, you have more to see, you have more to experience and live. You just have more. I mean, every day I hear from someone who just like a a good friend of mine just lost his dad Mm. last week. And he's telling me about it on the phone because he, he answers the phone and I was like, Hey, and he's like, He's not him immediately. I can tell. I said, man, it sounds like you're down. What's up? And he's like, well, I just got a phone call from mom telling me to get up here. And, uh, if mom calls then I know it's bad. Mm. And, uh, you know, he says, I've been prepared for this for a while, but losing my, my mentor, my role model, my superhero, I'm not ready for that. And I think about it and I go, and yeah, we still walk around every day with our head up our behinds thinking that tomorrow's promised and it's not, you know? Um, make an effort to call your parents, you know, apologize, own your stuff, you know, all those different things, because it's over with quick. This whole life's over with quick. I mean, 25 years ago, I left high school 20 years ago. I got married and here I am when I train a class, I'm like on the older side of the people I train in class already. That's how quick it is shifted. Now I'm the guy with no hair and gray hair, you know, and it was like 10 minutes ago. I was 20 something. What happened? But you know, yes, you have more and and the next thing I'd tell you is, is right now it's time to take action. That's it. Um, it doesn't get to wait. It's like you're out of shape. You don't get to wait till tomorrow to go to the gym or, or, or eat better. You don't, you get to do it now. Um, find a friend in a book you said before JJ, it's, it's time, you know, um, going back and, and finishing some schooling or, or, or working more on yourself. Like you cannot ever make a long-term sustainable, you know, legacy for, for this planet, if you're not willing to invest in yourself. And I mean, at a level in which you can help find joy for yourself and peace for yourself and, and that power and confidence for yourself. Because when you find all those things and you, you, then it's like you have extra to go give to everybody else. And if you don't have any of those things, you can't give it to someone else. You can give love and support to other people. And, and yeah, you will leave a legacy of that love and support. But, you know, if you feel like you have more, then it's, it's there, guaranteed. And you get to go after it. Amen. Amen. My last thing is we just love you. I love you guys. Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody. Brett, that was amazing. Um, 
And, you know, we thank everybody else for uh, for joining us. Check out the uh, other podcast episodes we have on all the platforms, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts and Building Utah Youth. We are at Building Utah Youth on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and buildingutahyouth.org. Respect, integrity, passion, personal power, leadership, enthusiasm. This has been the Empowering Youth Podcast from Building Utah Youth. To become part of the 3%, visit Building Utah Youth on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or on our website at buildingutahyouth.org.